I'm not preaching. <laughs> uh, I'd just like to introduce Brother Tink Hayden. Uh, he's our pastor candidate. We're going to be voting on later. And uh, Brother Tink, come on up and uh, share what the Lord has laid on your heart. Uh, we had a good time here yesterday. A lot of folks come down and met him, and he remembered everybody's name. <laughs> <laughs> What's your name? <laughs> God bless you. Thank you, Dale. I do remember Dale's name. Okay, well, I am preaching. And uh, I, I know I didn't get to meet all of y'all yesterday, but uh, I'll do my best. Hopefully this vote goes through and I'll do my best, my best to remember all y'all's names. But I feel like I did better yesterday than I normally do with names, so that's good news. Well, today I want to talk about, I want to, I'm, I'm a little, maybe a little more nervous than normal. I don't really get too nervous, but I want to go ahead and give you the, I'm going to give you the one minute outline of this summary so that if I do fumble and stumble, at least I'll cover it at the beginning and the end. But the three points I want to make today is that Jesus wants us to listen to him. Jesus has already revealed to us through His Word what He wants for us while we are on earth, and He will provide rest for our souls if we are obedient to what He tells us to do. So, I'll be in the book of John today. I'll be all, I'm kind of all over the place, but primarily we'll start in the book of John, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. John, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. The next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem. He probably didn't say it like that. Let me try that again. <laughs> Dear woman, that's not our problem. Jesus replied, my time is not yet come, but his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby were six stone jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, okay, let me back up. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some, dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course, of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine, but you have kept the best until now. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. After the wedding, he went to Capernaum for a few days with his mother, his brothers, and his disciples. Let's pray. Father, as we come here today, just allow us to have ears to hear what you have to say, and um, most of what I'm gonna, gonna talk about today is listening, and that we should always be listening to what, what you have told us. You've told us a lot through your word already, uh, and we need to, we really need to wake up and pay attention to what you've already told us, but we also need to be aware of what you're telling us throughout our daily lives. 
and our interactions with people. And I'm just great. I just want to. I just want to show my gratitude uh, towards the people here at this church. It's been a good weekend already, and um, I'm just very joyful about the interactions that I've had with everybody this weekend and the past weekends that I've been here. But I'm just grateful for what you've done in my life and my family's life and the lives of the people here at this church. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So the event, the events that we just read, the event that we just read about is one of many miracles in the book of John. And I just want to outline some of the other, I'm not going to get deep into the other miracles that are recorded in the book of John, but there are several other miracles. And the, the point of me sharing this is that at, at each of these miracles, Jesus tells the people that he's with, whether it be disciples or the person that he's healing, he, he, he gave a command to the people and said, you know, do this, do that. And I just want you to see that he, he's telling the people that uh, he's around to do something. So in chapter 4, he healed a royal official's son. In chapter 5, Jesus healed a lame man. In chapter 6, Jesus feeds the 5,000 and also walks on water. In chapter 9, Jesus heals a blind man. In chapter 11, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. In chapter 21, after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, he appears to, the, to seven disciples on the, on the bank of the sea, and he says, cast your net on the other side of the boat if you want to catch fish. And of course they did. How many fish did they catch? Do you remember? 153 is the number, which seems like a, just a funny number to have outlined. You know, they caught 153 fish. In the final chapter of John, in verse 30, John states that the disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in Him, you will have life by the power of His name. These miracles are exciting to read about. And I just think, like, what would it have been like to, to be there and see, you know, a lame man walk or a blind man see or even the fish miracle, you know, those, those guys, you know, they're at a time of desperation. And uh, it would have just been awesome to... As we think about what we read, it would be awesome to be there, but I've experienced the same miracles in, in my life, and I've, I've heard of miracles within this church, and those miracles are no different than the ones we read about here. Got a lot of papers. So again, th this message really isn't about miracles. It's about listening, and that, that Jesus is telling us things to do, and I want to tell you all a story about listening. I'm coaching Sims's baseball team. Where are you at, Sims? Stand up so everybody can see it. Okay, what's the what's the number one goal of of our baseball team this year? Okay, so I, as I was as I signed up to coach, which I really full authenticity I didn't want to do. Sims is eight, and it's a nine and ten league, so he's he's playing. He's I better just not share what I was going to share. He's eight. He showed interest in wanting to play Little League. And uh, so he's supposed to be in a coach pitch league. Anyways, I'm, I'm saying too much. But the park director said, uh, do you want to coach? And I said, well, I'm willing to coach, but my son is eight, and this is a 9 and 10 league. I don't want to take somebody else's opportunity. So one day later, he called me back and said, we don't have enough coaches. And I said, okay, I'll coach. So as I'm preparing 
to enter the realm of coaching 12 boys when I already have two and know they don't listen to anything. I thought to myself, what can I teach these kids? You know, I don't really care about baseball. Baseball is not important, you know, in the grand scheme of the world and life. And, you know, baseball is not really the goal. I said, what can I teach these kids practically that they can use everywhere? And I thought, well, Sims and Parker don't listen. So my assumption is neither do the rest of these boys. So I thought, okay, our goal is going to be to listen. And as I kind of reflected on, like, what does it mean to listen? Well, if you're listening, let's, let's hope that the coach is wise enough in the sport to teach the game. Um, if you're able to listen to what a coach says, then you're able to learn the game. So a byproduct of the listening will be to improve in the game of baseball and to win games or to, to hit the ball or steal the bases or whatever. So Heather and I are well aware of the strengths and weaknesses of little boys. And, you know, some of the strengths are they're brave. And I saw the, the Vasky boys were very brave. I noticed that last night. Um, but we think about the strengths of little boys and, you know, they're brave and they're compassionate most of the time and they're loving and they're caring and they're, they've got a lot of, uh, I don't even know what this word is, but they have it. But their overwhelming weakness, in my opinion, is their ability to listen. And, and it's just, and the kids really have, these boys really have listened to us this year. And uh, what's our record? Three and two, maybe? So they are getting better. And I, and I really think it's because of the listening. And, and I just wanted to outline that our walk with Jesus is no different. You know, one of our primary goals of our walk with Jesus is that we should be listening. And uh, not only that, as we share, we should understand that faith comes by hearing. So, so listening is just an, a, a very important part of our walk with Jesus. In Luke chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus said, Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. So I'm going to expand on some of the miracles that, that I shared earlier. And just I'm going to read just a short portion of it to, to hear what Jesus told the people that he was with as he was performing these miracles. When Jesus turned water to wine, he told the servants to do whatever he tell. I'm sorry. When Jesus turned the water to wine, Mary told the servants to do whatever he tells you to do. And Jesus told them to fill the jars with water and dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. So the servants were obedient to what Jesus said. When Jesus healed a royal official son, he told the official to go back home. Your son will live. And the man believed what Jesus said and started home. And if you read on, the boy was actually healed at that time. And by the time the man got home, the boy was the boy was healed. So the man was obedient. He didn't complain and agonize about what's going on. He just he believed what Jesus said and he started home. When Jesus healed the lame man, he told him to stand up, pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. When Jesus fed the 5000, he told the disciples to tell everyone to sit down. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. When Jesus heals a blind man, he told the man to go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and came back with his sight. When Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, he tells the disciples, roll the stone aside. Martha protested for a moment, but the disciples eventually obeyed and rolled the stone aside. That's what we do a lot is we eventually obey. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, 
his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth, Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Jesus appeared, when Jesus appears to the seven disciples after his death and helps them catch a few fish, he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did, and they, could, they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then John said to Peter, it's the Lord. So I just, you know, I just wanted to outline that Jesus, you know, if we, if we left it up to ourselves, we would think that Jesus was just like shooting uh, lightning bolts out of his hand, just be healed, be healed, be healed. But he always included other people in the miracle. And the people in each of these, the people in each of these miracles, the people were obedient to what he said. But there's a good example in the book of Matthew where Peter fails to listen to, to Jesus. Jesus spoke to the disciples and said, Don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over to the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? Peter took his eyes off Jesus. He listened to him initially, but he, he lost sight of, of who Jesus was. And I, as I read this and I was preparing this, I just thought, my gosh, to be looking at the face of Jesus as he reaches his hand out to you and then the words that come out of his mouth are, you have so little faith. <laughs> that just, that crushed my, that crushed my spirit. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't want that to be, of course, Peter redeems himself in the end, but, but uh, it just hurt me to read that. So we can't lose sight of who Jesus is and what he told us to do. So just as you, as you hear some of these things, just think, are, am, am I listening to, to what Jesus has in store for my life? Am I listening to what he's already told us, told me to do? Jesus revealed to us, uh, and, and I, as I think also, we spend much time, I spend much time thinking, okay, God, what do you want, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me, you know, how do I handle this situation? And, and most of the questions that I have have already been revealed and I just have to remind myself and, and jump back into Scripture when I, when I have these situations. So in Mark, again, I'm sorry, I'm bouncing all over the place, but um, I like to say that God, I've probably said it here before, God's Word's more important than, than mine. So I, I, like to, I like to really dig into Scripture as I'm, as I'm up here. So in Mark chapter 13, Jesus says, the most important command is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. So are we doing these two things? He, he's already told us much of what he wants us to do with our lives, and that is to love him and love our neighbor. So we don't have, you know, we don't have to change job. We, you know, it's good to be prayerful about all, all the things that we do, but most of what Jesus wants out of our lives can already be fulfilled exactly where we stand today by loving him and loving our neighbor. So are we doing these things? This is an everyday, every moment command from Jesus himself. And as we, as we know, in the Old Testament, there were 600-something commands, and Jesus sums them up into two. Love, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. 
So if, we're, if we follow these two directions, we, we stay aligned with God's will for our lives. And in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, Jesus gives us the Great Commission. He says, Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So if these two, let's consider these two passages very important for our lives because they are, because Jesus is commanding us how he wants us to live. So if these two passages, if, if these two passages are new news to you, listen to Jesus and, and really meditate on these two things and think, okay, how can I do what he's, what he's telling me through scripture? How, how am I failing in this? Because we all, we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. We all we all don't do these things right all the time. So just, just reflect on, on your life. And if you, are, if you feel that you are being obedient in these two things, just pray to the Lord, give me endurance to, to, to hold tight to this and, and to make it to the end, you know. And as we talk about our neighbor, you know, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now this one's going to get you still toe boots on. This one might, go, might hurt your feet a little. Our neighbor doesn't include, our neighbor includes everyone. So our neighbor is not just people within the church that are nice. Our neighbor, I put some extreme examples of who our neighbor is on this list. So brace for impact. Our neighbor could include people in prison. Our neighbor could include people who should be in prison, but who aren't. Our neighbor includes drug addicts. Our neighbor includes people who have hurt you in the past. Our, uh-oh. Our neighbor includes government officials. Our neighbor includes your annoying family member, that, that cousin that you don't like. Our neighbor includes the family who lives beside you. Our, uh-oh, I got two bad ones here. Our neighbor includes your ex-wife. Our neighbor includes your ex-husband. And the most extreme example that I could think of was the Taliban. Our neighbor includes the Taliban. And we participated in secret church a couple weeks ago and uh, David Platt brought this up about the Taliban he said you know how great would it be for the nation of Afghanistan and the world if the Taliban radically were transformed by Jesus I mean if you think about Afghanistan Afghanistan doesn't need democracy they need Jesus and um, he also brought up I hate to even do this right now but he brought up um, what's that man's name Dahmer, Jeffrey Dahmer. He said, you know, the, 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 the story is that Dahmer came to Christ before his death. And, you know, how would you feel when you get to heaven, you see Jeffrey Dahmer there? Or the Taliban? Let that, let that sink in for a minute. So Jesus didn't command us. He didn't command to love people that were nice to us all the time. He said, love your neighbor, which means everyone. The, he didn't say, you know, the command was go find some people to, to share me with and make sure it's convenient and it fits your schedule and doesn't hurt your feelings and is comfortable and isn't risky. Just share with who you think is going to treat you well. You know, he, that wasn't the command. He said, go make disciples of all the nations. That means do your best to share me with everyone that you encounter. And everyone means everyone. So, again, I, I sound like a broken record up here, but are you listening to what Jesus is telling you to do with your life and has already told you to do in his word. Are you listening to Jesus or are you 
Are you listening to our comfortable and materialistic culture? Are you loving your neighbor or are you living for yourself? Are you listening to Jesus and are you willing to do whatever he tells you to do? He's already told us what to do in his word. Are you listening to that? So if, if we think back to our, our base, the baseball analogy, if our, our still signal is to take my hat off. And there's not enough skill in nine and 10 year old baseball. There is some skill. There's one team in particular that we can't beat. Red Sox, yes. <laughs> they have a really good catcher. Anyways, so you steal on him, you're probably gonna get burnt. But um, the signal to steal is I'll take my hat off. And a lot of time I have to scream at the kid, you know, Drew Thomas, take, Drew. And the goal isn't, I don't really care if he successfully steals the base. I want him to get the signal and be obedient and go, not to hesitate. And I tell him, if you get thrown out, that's my fault. It's not, it's not your fault. And Jesus is the same way. He, he knows, we were talking about this morning, He knows that not everyone we share with is going to come to Christ. Not everyone we share with is going to come to Christ. But that's not the point. We have to listen. We have to take the signal. You know, make disciples of all the nations. Do the best that you can. And um, he's, he, he, want, he desires for everyone to come to Christ as well. But our obedience is what is important. It's not our performance. It's our follow-through. It's our obedience. If, if I, he knows we're not going to hit a home run. I hate to keep talking about baseball all the time if y'all don't care anything about baseball. But he knows we're not going to hit a home run. I told Paula I had a bunch of baseball analogies today. She was saying something about baseball the other day. I said, you're going to learn something about baseball this weekend. <laughs> but he knows we're not going to hit a home run every, every game, every, every pitch, whatever. He just wants us to listen to the coach, and he's the coach. So I'm getting fired up and losing my spot. I do that a lot. So he knows we're not perfect. He knows we're going to fail in, in, in things. So in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus said, this is, this is the point that he provides rest for our souls. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. So Jesus reminds us here to listen to his teaching. He says, let me teach you. That means listen to me. If we let him teach us, he will give us rest for our souls. So back to the three points. If we're taking notes, or if we're not, if we can take a mental note, the three points of this lesson today are Jesus wants us to listen to him. Jesus has already, what about the fingers? We did that last time. Jesus has already revealed to us through His Word what He wants from us while we are on earth. And Jesus will provide rest for our souls if we are obedient to what He says. Now, I've been back and forth this week as I've been preparing this and thinking, okay, am I going to be the used car salesman and get up here and uh, sell myself politic for this vote? And the answer to that is no. I'm not going to do that. Today is about the future Today is primarily about Jesus and, and the future of this church. It's not, it's not necessarily about me. I, I'm a sinful man in need of a Savior just like you all are. 
But today is an important day for my family and for this church. And um, again, I could get up here and, and try to pretend like I'm some, obviously you all know I don't have any pastoral experience. You saw the, you saw the, the info, but I'm just grateful. I'm just great. I, I was telling the deacons yesterday, I said, uh, the most overwhelming thing in this situation has been that you all are giving me a chance. You know, I don't think you can go many places and find that sort of grace, you know, and that's been overwhelming to me. And I'm excited where Heather and I are excited and the, and Sims and Parker are excited about the opportunity to serve here. And uh, I just wanted to let you all know that my two goals as pastor here would be to preach the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ and to love you all the best that I can. And that's, that's about all I, all I can do. And that's what I want to do. And I think that's, I've, I've been thinking lately, as, as, as decisions like this in your life come up, I think God sort of revealed this to me that, okay, we always, if we're at a crossroads, we have two options most of the time to go this way or that way. Well, I want to run everything through the filter of what is more God honoring in my life. And, and these two goals seem like the most God honoring goals. He, he, he tells us to love the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbor. And that's all I would, that's all I want to do here. So I don't, I don't, I'm not going to stand up here and, and say, please vote for me. Or I want you all to be prayerful. I know you have been already, but as you, as you vote about this, it's just an awkward thing, isn't it? <laughs> just be prayerful and and let the lord lead it and let the lord lead everything that we do that's what we always need to do so are you listening to jesus and are you willing to do whatever he tells you to do that's that's what we need to ask ourselves today so we're going to have a time of invita invitation and i don't really know exactly what's going to happen after that i don't know if i need to leave run out of here and let y'all vote james told me to stand in the back somewhere and hide oh he maybe didn't say that. I might have said that. But I'm going to stand up here, uh, up front here, and if you have any questions about salvation or what it means to do what Jesus tells us to do, or, or if you need prayer, or if you have a question for me before you do, cast a vote for the future of this church and for the future of my life and, and Heather's life and everybody else's life that's in this room, please come up and ask. And uh, I don't know how the baptismal works here, but I'm sure we could fire that sucker up too. We need to. <laughs> <laughs> so uh again i enjoyed yesterday and i i know i don't i don't know everybody's name yet but i sure would like to to have the opportunity to memorize everybody's name so please come talk to me if you need to thank you all let me hey. pray i told you i was going to get distracted let me pray right now father again i come to you and i'm just grateful that that First off, you pulled the curtain from over top of my lost head and allowed me to see you for who you are. And I am so far from perfect, it's laughable, but you provide things in my life and fruit in my life that I didn't know could grow from, from me. From, I'm just a, I'm a sinful man in need of you. So, 
I just pray for the future of this church. I pray that everybody else is prayerful before they pick up their pencil today. And I, I love you. And that's, that's, all that I, that's all that I've got. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.